in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. Three brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Hello, all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host, right here in the great city of Pittsburgh, Chad Robinson. Hi, Russell Guest. Chad, we need a good guest today. Well, once again, I have not done a good job. I am antisocial, so I have summoned my wife. That's a good guest. <laughs> that too. <laughs> So it is, uh, it is uh, Valentine's Day, so it's, it's fitting to have a loving couple on the air. I miss Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, for let's get to know you just a little better for those who don't know you that well on the show. Okay. So, a couple of uh, fun questions to get you started here. What is your favorite on-screen movie kiss? Uh, the first one I thought of was Spider-Man. I... <laughs> That's I mean, mine too. <laughs> somewhere Brian is just seething. <laughs> That's mine too. The upside down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the mask half pulled down. And she doesn't know who she's really kissing. I mean, seriously. That's great. But she does. She touches her lips and is like, "It's Peter Parker." No, no, no. It's a. It, there's a hint, but not for sure. Chad's shaking his head. No, what's yours? Lady in the Tramp, man. Oh. Okay, yeah, that's that's iconic as well. Yeah, Bond over spaghetti. Okay, and what is your favorite Valentine's Day memory card for Chad and you? Sorry. Hopefully oh, this sorry. is not... So not, not card, sorry. What is your favorite Valentine's Day memory for you and Chad? <laughs> and hopefully you don't say mine too. <laughs> um, honestly, we're not much on the Valentine's Day dates at all. Um, I'm so sure you watch Sleepless in Seattle, so is that it? <laughs> so, Yo soy muy pequeño. <laughs> so really the only one that I have really any distinct memory of would be our first one. And we actually dressed up and went to a nicer restaurant, but that's about it. <laughs> Not exciting. We, for, for me, it's easy because uh, our first date was on Valentine's Day way back in uh, 2004 so very nice so yeah that's uh uh that went well <laughs> <laughs> so it seems yes yes and uh and uh what is a movie that not many people know or think about but you love sarah i know we're kind of talking in the theme of romance and stuff but i'm sorry i didn't really pick much romancy ones um the two that i thought of were mr and mrs smith Okay. Um, I just love the interaction between the two stars and then um, Chicken Run, which I love that movie, and Chad finds it to be ridiculous. I forgot about Chicken Run. That's a claymated, um, yeah. claymation movie, yeah. right? Wallace By the same and people, Gromit. Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Uh-huh. I never saw that, but... I have it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sarah had me watch it. I... Is it 10 years or older? Yes. Absolutely. Then we can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> we should not. <laughs> 
it's amazing having a, a baby. Uh, you know, the only movies I'm watching are for this podcast right now, <laughs> which means some somewhere down the line when you ask me my top ten movies from 2020, I will be useless. <laughs> <laughs> Today, what movie are we going to be covering? We are going to be covering 1993's Sleepless in Seattle. All right. Who could sleep in a time like this? So... This movie comes out in 1993, as Chad mentioned. It grosses $126.68 million. It, gro- it uh, grosses a lot of money. It comes in fourth on the box office that year. Uh, pretty strong for a movie of this genre. It comes in behind The Firm and ahead of Mrs. Doubtfire. Chad's not happy about that. Robin Williams is great. I love Mrs. Doubtfire. It's great. But Jurassic Park beat them all with uh, coming in first place that year. The best romance story. And IMDb gives Sleepless in Seattle a 6.8, which seems a little on the low side. And the critics of Rotten Tomatoes agree, say it's a 74%, and the audience is even higher at 75%. This got nominated for two awards from the Academy, and it got nominated for the Oscar for Best Original Song, for A Wink and a Smile, and Best Original Screenplay from Nora Ephron. It got nominated for three Golden Globes for Best Film, Musical, or Comedy, Best Actor, Musical, or Comedy, Tom Hanks, and Best Actress, Musical, or Comedy, Meg Ryan. It didn't win any of these things, but it was nominated, and it got nominated for two BAFTAs as well. And it even has the recognition of being named AFI's Top 10 Romantic Comedies, and they are it is number 10. So, with that, Sarah, had you seen Sleepless in Seattle? When was your first time? What was it like coming back to it now? Um, I'd seen it multiple times. Um, I saw it as a kid. I'll be honest, I'm not sure what year it was or whatever. I know it was sometime in elementary school, so it couldn't have been out that long at the time. And I thought my mom was showing me this old classic that I was supposed to watch as a female. (laughs) Just, it was something I needed to watch. Rite of passage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I could have told you it was probably 20 years old at that time, but it wasn't, (laughs) apparently. Um, So, and I've seen it off and on multiple times since then. Um, Most of the times that I've seen it since then, I caught it on TV, and so I really would see, like, the second half of it and not the first half. Um, So when I came back to watching it for this podcast, I didn't really have much recollection of the Christmas scenes, like... I was like, oh, that happened. Like, <laughs> she forgot the mechanism for like what set stuff up. Right, yeah. right. Like, I remember, I knew some of the later parts of the story, but I couldn't remember the beginning. So. Yeah. And is it holding up well for you? Is it good to come back to today? Yes. I love love stories. So, <laughs> it was a love story. So, it was good. All right. So, it's aging well for Sarah. Now, Chad, had you seen this one before? I fail as our romance expert on this podcast. No, I had not seen this one. That's that shocks me. Actually, yeah, this one has escaped me until now. Okay, and so first time to it. What was your take? It wasn't what I thought it was. I thought we would be in Seattle a whole lot more. I I thought it was going to be like a Dear Abby type article. It wasn't. It was a radio radio show. It's kind of expecting the corny. Lucky happenstance, running into each other constantly, and happy ending. So, yeah. Okay. Very cliched. And is this one that you find that you would, like, want to come back to? Did you... Like, what was your take? 
it's it's not going to be high on the list of ones that I would rewatch. Uh, in the scale of romantic comedies, though, okay, because yeah. like as you mentioned, like oh. frame it right. This is not your genre, but is even within the genre. Yeah, even within the genre. Top uh, half, bottom uh, half. Mm-hmm bottom half i mean it starts off with cancer and a funeral (laughs) briefly briefly yes that is true uh i had never seen this one before i wasn't really sure what to expect i i honestly i jokingly said this but it wasn't out of the question i thought like neither of them could sleep and they were just like walking around the neighborhood one night and they like met each other and then uh they would end up taking walks long late at night and stuff like that so i thought it was about two insomniacs in the city of seattle i want to see your version of this movie (laughs) i'm sold conor efron the rest of the world's closed down and they're eating they're eating donuts at a donut shop because that's the only place that's open insomniacs in iowa okay yeah, you could probably produce this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Hortons would definitely get some product placement on this one. <laughs> uh, so the uh, I liked it, actually. I, it's funny. I remember when the movie came out, my relatives from North Carolina had come up, my aunt and uncle and their, their three daughters. They went to see it, and so did some of my family. But my mom took me to see, I believe it was Dennis the Menace to, yeah. at, at, in the theater. Because I, uh, I didn't want that mushy stuff, I said. So... Uh, everybody came back and said it was good, and I said, it can't be. And you know what? After waiting 25 years, it's actually pretty good. I'm glad I got it now, though. So <laughs> I I had my expectations exceeded, and it has a likable cast, and uh, it was unique. I hadn't seen a movie quite like this either, so we'll talk more on that in here in a second. So I want to warn people, though, as we proceed, there will be spoilers that lie ahead. So if you worry about spoilers for Sleepless in Seattle, you're going to want to turn this off, watch the movie, and come back and join us again later. So we'll be back after this. Do you like movies but don't form a real connection with them? Well, maybe you don't know where to find the right kind of movie that you will truly love. Maybe you lack the confidence to fully love a movie. Do you struggle to form deep, meaningful relationships with the films you encounter? Hello there, I'm Thilke Lewis. If you are looking to find true love but having trouble, let Thilke help you. Because if there's one thing Thilke understands, it's love. Let Thilke help you find your true cinematic love with Retro Movie Roundtable on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. In no time at all, you'll find your remarkable movies that you will fall in love with. With the helpful insights of John, Brian, and Russell, you will soon learn what you need to know about movies. Don't hide your cinematic love that you found with Retro Movie Roundtable. Share it with the world. Tell a friend. Subscribe to the show. Give a show a five-star rating review wherever you get your podcast. Like the show on Facebook. Email at RetroMovieRoundtable at Yahoo.com. Finding a long-lasting love can be hard, but with the Retro Movie Roundtable, you too will be in love with movies. What are you waiting for? Listen to Retro Movie Roundtable now and find love. And we're back. Remember, there will be spoilers that lie ahead. Sarah, for those who haven't seen Sleepless in Seattle since 1993... Do you want to refresh people's memory? I suppose so. <laughs> so, in Sleepless in Seattle, Sam Baldwin, played by Tom Hanks, is an architect from Chicago. His wife dies in the opening scenes. While mourning, he decides he needs a new scene that does not remind him of his, of his deceased wife. He and his son, Jonah, move to Seattle. On Christmas Eve, Jonah is so concerned for his dad that he calls into a national radio broadcast for help for his dad. Sam is eventually convinced to speak and pours his heart out to the host about his grief he is still dealing with a year after his wife's passing. Meanwhile, in 
Baltimore, Annie Reed is newly engaged, celebrating Christmas Eve with her family and fiancé. She has a conversation with her mother about the relationship, and Annie is clearly having doubts. On her way home that night, she hears the radio show that Sam, a.k.a. Sleepless in Seattle, is talking on. She becomes somewhat obsessed, along with many women across the country. Annie writes a letter to him, but does not send it. In the letter, she asks Sam to meet her at the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day. She also did some investigation work to find where Sam was and flies out to find him. She does, but chooses not to reveal who she is and instead only says hello the entire time she is there. Seems like a waste of a few hundred bucks to me, but, you know, whatever. Meanwhile, Sam starts to date, but Jonah does not like the new new girlfriend. Jonah reads through some of the fan mail his father had received and comes across Annie's letter that her friend, played by Rosie O'Donnell, had sent. He sends a response that Sam will be at the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day to meet her. Jonah manages to get a flight to New York with the help of his friend. Sam chases his son to New York and finds him at the top of the Empire State Building. They leave just as Annie arrives. Then they realize the backpack was left upstairs. When they get back to the top, Annie has the backpack and Jonah's bear. Sam and Annie hold hands and head out, hopefully to live happily ever after. All right. So this one, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not as versed in this kind of movie, but is this this is pretty unique because the two actors only share, I think it is about two to three minutes two of, minutes. of screen time together, which is yeah really shocking. There's nothing else quite like that, is there? No, that's really, really unusual. I can't think of any other movie that the two lead yeah, that fall in, in love are in separate cities and yeah it's interesting because the the movie does operate in two different worlds and it's uh you kind of know where it's going but how it happens is kind of keeping you right engaged and it did for me and i just i, I remember looking down at 45 minutes i was going like I don't know how long this movie is, but they're still setting the table up. I mean, <laughs> they haven't hit it off yet. Yeah. I'm a little surprised. When it started with Meanwhile in Baltimore, it's like, wait, what? Why? Why? I also want to point out, like, you move from Chicago to Seattle in 93 to get away from memory of uh, Chicago. Yeah, the Sonics got to see a lot of Chicago about this time. <laughs> but... Uh... That's then. Well, that's true. Uh, it's one of those things where I just, I, I liked it to see. It felt authentic to me in a way that uh, I could see somebody literally just saying they wanted to change the pace and going out there. And I felt like the dialogue wasn't forced, nor were the situations that forced. The only thing that really hit me over, like, like made me suspend my belief, was everybody was listening to the radio on Christmas Eve. Right. It was 1993. 93, but at a late night hour, too. <laughs> the, the dark ages when people listen to radio and podcasts. <laughs> on my second time through, I was I was kind of amused. It was like, everybody in the diner is like listening in on this. It's like, oh, oh, wait, shh, shh, come back. He's well, they have no come. customers. That's true. The 1950s diner in the middle of Baltimore. Yep. There's a 1950s kitchen in the middle of Baltimore, too. Yeah. But... That's neither here nor there. Um, but I think, to some degree, what you mentioned, Sarah, you thought this movie was older. Yeah. 
I did at, when I watched it. Now, I don't think I watched it immediately the year that it came out, but it had to have been within a couple years. I I wasn't very aware of pop culture at that time either, so my concept at the time it was is not true. very good. Rosie O'Donnell's corporate America attire <laughs> can only belong to one time period. Technically, this is a little bit later than you would even think oh. for that, but I mean... Uh, Tom Hanks' hair is pretty... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, but there are a lot of cues that make you think it's older. Uh, again, yeah. maybe not physically as much, but I mean, uh, there's there's a tone of the golden age of of Hollywood. They refer to an affair to remember. A yeah. lot. A lot throughout the movie. And I have not seen this movie. Have you? No, but it's now on our list to see. No. <laughs> Rest assured, podcast <laughs> listeners, we will not be doing a fair to remember. You said you thought you needed to see it now. No, I, I feel like after this movie, it's been, I, I know everything I need to know about this movie. I don't even need to see it. They summarize it multiple times. <laughs> they did spoil it a little bit for me, but I'd still see it. <laughs> I, I'm very spoiler adverse, and that, 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 didn't, that did not help things for me. <laughs> it was interesting seeing Professor Stein crying over it, though. That's right. Yeah, that, that, Victor that, Garber. Yeah. Um, so this is labeled as a uh, romantic comedy, and my first time through, I didn't find myself like laughing, like ha 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 belly laughs, but I just had a big grin on my face. Um, the second time watching it through, I, I was specifically watching for these things, and I did find myself laughing a little more t- the second time through. So, how much laughter does this movie give you, or are you more just there for the sentimentality? I was. I was laughing, and Chad just kind of looked at me like I was a crazy person. But, um, but I specifically really enjoyed uh, the interaction between the father and the son, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was where a lot of the comedy was driven from, and um, so that would make sense why Chad wouldn't find it quite as amusing as I did. He does it's not, true. It's doesn't true. always I, find the children I to be quite as amusing. Children. <laughs> Drew Barrymore's still okay. <laughs> so there is a lot of humor in the blunt uh, communication from yes. an eight-year-old. Very direct. And, yes. You know, less filter, you know, more matter of fact. And, uh, you know, it just makes for good comedy. This is my second movie in a row that's had comedy in, in the hyphen. And it hasn't been funny at all. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was much funnier. Yeah, that's, that's a drama. That's a drama, the, I think. This first was, and foremost. This was sheer romance. There really wasn't that many humorous scenes. Like, you can you can drop the calm from it. I'm fine if you just want to call this romance. No, there was comedy. One or two scenes does not make a comedy. I don't know what the tall tale signs are of the, um, or the um, tell signs are of a chick flick per se but i didn't necessarily come out of this going like that was a chick flick per se i know it probably is categorized as such but it didn't seem to have the typical arc of like these two meet he seems great but then he's hiding something and then things fall apart and then a somewhat easily resolvable miscommunication is undone by a large action it didn't go through any of that so it it kind of doesn't fit that mold fair statement or not chad you 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 like to dissect these things more (laughs) yeah it it wasn't the dumb conflict in the middle for no apparent reason although meg ryan's conflict was pretty much with herself and being a good person or a bad person um but (laughs) she uh uh that was the main conflict of do i 
stay with my fiance or do I go after a stranger with sultry voice? Well, also there's the conflict that the father and the son are going through. A, a little bit. His was more of just, I'm going to try and get in the swing of things. And this son's like, no, you should marry a lady who likes baseball because he's a kid. And, you know, kids want people that like baseball. And think, I don't know which player it was. I can't remember that he's like, she thinks he's the greatest. <laughs> Tom Hanks is like, everybody does. But they don't. That was an obscure player. Yeah, my stand I had no idea who that was. So that was it. That they, they, they had an instant connection. It's one of those things. Yeah. Serendipity. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's just, I thought it was interesting in the DVD extras. Uh, Tom Hanks was saying that dating is terrible, that nobody over the age of 20 should have to do it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's torture. It's, uh, it's one of those funny things where it shows you how hard it would be to get out there again. Yeah. I would never, I hope I'd never do it because it's, uh, it, it does seem awkward. And so it's, it's one of those things that I don't ever think about. So it's like when he starts to do it, it's just kind of like, man, that would be hard. Everybody's like, you know, well, oh, and especially since he had the kid involved, you know, that makes it extra complicated to try to find a woman that he likes and that the kid liked and didn't call a hoe and, you know. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> captured by a hoe. <laughs> Use a hoe. You did not laugh at that, no. No. Because that, that, that did make me laugh. No, that was, that was an odd statement. There were a lot of strange things going on. Like, they were eating dinner at 10 o'clock at night. The eight-year-old had... They're in the Pacific uh, no, time zone, Chad. That, That's 10 o'clock for you. It's not, No, it's <laughs> not the Bermuda Triangle. They said 10 o'clock at night. I was like, what eight-year-old no, had a 10 they, o'clock they, they bedtime? They said that's where the points of everything come together. And he's like, what's that, the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, there was a lot of strange parenting going on there. But well, he, he was a guy. Rob, <laughs> Didn't Rob know what he was doing. had some weird advice. And I kind of want to live in the world that Rob Reiner was advertising. Do you he, want some tiramisu? Well, yeah, I've had tiramisu, but... Uh, uh, What's that? He, he's just like, if you pay for everything, they'll throw a parade for you. No parades have ever been thrown in my <laughs> honor. Where is this world where the check is picked up or split? I got none of this treatment. I don't know what you're talking about. I have told Sarah, though, if she ever leaves me, I'm going to be a hermit because I'm, I'm not going through what Tom Hanks went through. Or, or I'm calling a nationally syndicated radio show yeah yeah i'm, I'm very sad with a daughter <laughs> please write me letters and stalk me hire private investigators no but he got on very reluctantly he was not uh he had been offered help from so many times and he had uh not taken it as yeah. he was handed a huge stack of cards <laughs> which by the way if anybody hands you a card it's like it's a shrink you should see somebody that's not a very nice way of saying <laughs> you might need to talk to someone I'm not equipped to do this. How else do you tell somebody? Not using the word shrink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there were a lot of different cards. At your there, desk. <laughs> there were like Widowers Anonymous or whatever, and yeah, grief counseling. He had a collection of them. Some of them had catchy names. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if uh, Chad Chad questioned me if I was enjoying this one because of Tom Hanks being an architect, but I I do have to say like sometimes they just throwaway uh it's a throwaway position that you know it's somewhat tangible it has props like a drawing board that uh, that are around this movie dug into that a little bit more than usual and he even had a job site visit so i i kind of give this movie credit for a lot of times people can watch a uh, movie and with an architect and go like 
I don't know what they do. Like, uh, it seems glamorous. And like, they, have, they have nice cars and nice houses and, and everything like that. And this, this movie more properly sets it. That lady was dropped, like, midway through. They made her seem like she was going to be this huge antagonist that constantly changes things. And she shows up once more in a phone call. You can only have but so, many, so much of that. I, I mean, kind of wanted more of her just being unreasonable. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and then Rob Reiner, well, that was a surprise. Director Rob Reiner coming in, he made me laugh as well. And I, this is one of those things where I, I kind of had to come back through it a second time and go like, why didn't I laugh the first time? There's good stuff here. Uh, I just was more like, just taking it in, I think. And I, I was more like, when are they going to meet? When are they going to meet? You couldn't concentrate on anything else. It was in my head. I'm not going to lie. So the next time around, I was like, this is going to work out fine. And Chad had also told me ahead of time, this movie's not for me. I, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan, and I don't know what you're going to think. And then I, I got to the end, and he walks in the elevator as she's walking out. And I'm sitting there going, oh, well, that's why he doesn't like this movie. They got me. They actually got me there. That's uh. It didn't get Chad. No. No, I was, I, I was prepared for something bad to happen because of you uh, telling me. You could this. even see the backpack. It's like they forgot the backpack and they're going to come back. Yeah. I was hoping there was a backpack there, but I wasn't for sure. Oh, man. No. He, he the, knew. <laughs> I wanted there to be a backpack. You there. would fit right in with the female <laughs> audience being like, he came back. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, hope that backpack's there. Is there a backpack there? I can't quite tell. Is that a strap? I mean, is there anything else behind that? Maybe it's some kind of, uh, you know, like information plate behind there. I don't know. Meg Ryan was stressing me out. I was like, put the bear back. That's weird. Just put the kid's bear back in the bag. Leave it alone. It's Seattle on it. That's a pretty dead giveaway. Yeah, but then she kept it out. It's like, leave the kid's bear alone. That's (laughs) sacred. She added it to him. Eventually. (laughs) If I were Jonah, I'd be like, I've changed my mind. (laughs) Give me my bear. She took my bear. Yeah. That's sacred. But yeah, like I, I have to have that end because there are some romantic comedies that I have watched that did not seal the deal that way. And I just couldn't take it. Yeah. She's still mad about Vince Vaughn's The Breakup. Yeah. I can't stand that movie. I also did not like that movie at all. Yeah. 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 And it's because it did not end happy. They did not end up together. You thought they were going to. I don't know. Not Spoilers that. for <laughs> the breakup. <laughs> not me this time. <laughs> it runs in the family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Belle's going to be going to uh, you know, preschool being like, you know what happens at the beginning of Land Before Time? Yeah. Well, you better get ready for this. She has not seen that movie. That terrifies She's me. seen the TV series. Yeah. Not the movie. it's like oh well i got some bad news about bambi too (laughs) (laughs) bambi is fine the mom not so much uh so yeah it's uh chad do you want to give us a rundown on the cast yes yes i do uh first up we have tom hanks he's playing architect sam baldwin he's a widower whose son calls into a national radio show to help him find a new wife uh, if you liked him here, check out our podcast on Big. It's another one of Russell's big Tom Hanks films. I am big on Big. Yes. Uh, Ross Mallinger plays Jonah Baldwin. That's Sam's son who just wants his dad to be happy. And if you've ever watched the TV show Recess, he's the voice of TJ. Good kid actor. <laughs> well, okay. Moving on. <laughs> 
We have Meg Ryan, who is Annie Reed. She's the plucky reporter who is engaged to Walter, but finds Sam's voice too alluring to resist. You might recognize her from every 90s rom-com out there. Also, two other rom-coms with Tom Hanks. Russell, two? Yes. She did, you got mail. She, there's another one that's escaping me, but she did three oh. with Tom Hanks. Watch a fact so. check this. <laughs> Russell's going to fact check me while I talk about Bill Pullman. Uh, he plays Walter, who is Annie's safe bet fiance. Uh, his critical flaw, he, had, he has a severe allergy problem, I feel for him. Uh, Bill's also the president in Independence Day. There's Rosie O'Donnell, who plays Becky. That's Annie's best friend and encouragement. She mails Annie's letter to Sam and gets the ball rolling. If you like her with Tom Hanks in a movie, go watch A League of Their Own. That is a good movie. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes it is. Uh, Rob Reiner, we've talked about him a little bit. He plays Jay, who is Sam's friend who gives him dating advice that completely doesn't match up to my experience. Uh, he... You might recognize him as Mike Meathead Stivic from All in the Family. Hmm. And last for me is Barbara Garrick. She plays Victoria, who is Sam's co-worker, who he begins dating. Uh, she apparently has been in one life to live for, like, almost two decades. She plays yeah, good job. Don't get Allison Perkins. So I have no idea, but if you watch One Life to Live, apparently you've had two decades to notice her. Okay. And and you are right. Uh, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have worked together four times, actually. Oh, wow. Joe versus the Volcano from yeah. 1990. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle, so this was their second effort. They came back together again for You Got Mail in 1998. And they worked together again in 2016 on a movie called Ithaca, which hmm. I was not aware of Joe versus the Volcano or Ithaca. Yeah, I've heard of Joe versus the Volcano. So three rom-coms in the 90s. And You've Got Mail runs in that format that you thought Sleepless in Seattle would. They Just can't sleep? To... No. <laughs> They're a series of events. They meet. <laughs> Things go wrong. They realize they like each other. Sleepwalking email? Yeah, no. All right, so Dennis Quaid was considered to be the first male lead. Ironically, he was married to Mary Ryan at the time. They later divorced in 2001, but uh, which they could have gotten you got male in there as well if they were going to go on that same trajectory before uh, before they might have needed to start in the breakup. Um, wow. <laughs> so, the, the kid just recently got divorced too, so happiness all around. Yeah. Uh, anyway, now do you want Dennis Quaid in this movie, Chad? Would that help matters for you? I like Tom Hanks. I'm, I'm fine with Tom Hanks in here. Um, I I did see Annie was offered to like 13 other people before Meg Ryan. It, yeah, it, it has. It was originally offered to Julia Roberts, which that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. In yeah. fairness, Kim Basinger was then offered the role and then other people were considered. Uh, a lot of people turned down the script thinking it didn't seem like this was going to work and so michelle pfeiffer jennifer jason lee jodie foster meg ryan uh finally landed the role other considerations though uh, included nicole kidman natasha richardson and demi moore yeah so uh you're right a lot of considerations there so uh i don't know uh i can't picture anybody else in it now that i've seen meg ryan in it though i 
think I would have liked just about any of those better. Really? Uh, I'm surprised Helen... Any of the... Okay, okay. Uh, Nicola Kidman would not be. Yeah, no. that, that, that's the one I'll throw out. But I'm surprised with all those names, and it seems somewhat similar, that Helen Hunt wasn't in the in the mix, too. I also know Jodie Foster, just this doesn't feel like a movie she would take. Right. Like, I, I feel like they should have known better. Like, if someone's like, what about Jodie Foster? It's like, you know better. She's coming off of Silence of the Lambs. She should probably do this. This is probably around the time of Contact or yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, she chose uh, wisely. I don't know, man. I'd rather watch this in context. Context. Fair enough. Talk about movies that don't have payoffs. All right. <laughs> Long three-hour movie. <laughs> as well. Uh, I haven't seen that. Well, I told you how long it was. <laughs> that's that's the first yeah, thing you need to know. I don't think it's going to be on my list. <laughs> uh, Nora Ephron, though, managed to get Tom Hanks and Med Ryan because they were suddenly in another vehicle that was canceled called Ends of New England. And I, it's one of those funny things. So that movie got canceled for budgetary reasons, and they ended up both coming over to this, obviously at different times and through different routes. But uh, it was kismet, and it was meant to be. Yep. Fate. All that stuff. Yeah. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> Just infuriating. <laughs> Real quick, is it, for, is, it, is it the whole, like, being taken by somebody so quickly that it's that's not working for you i don't think lack of magic at instant touch is reason for infidelity so but uh and especially my story with sarah sarah turned me down when i first asked her out so this entire story makes me sad and makes me think yeah maybe she's holding out for that magic person I said we don't have magic. Uh, you when you said no. <laughs> if, You're just a slow burn, as you put it. Yes, I am. I am like a, uh, a seven-year itch. Actually, it took about 12. So I wore her down, people. <laughs> we have magic. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I had to be very patient. With Mary, because she was also she was dating somebody at the time. So I'm I'm uh, I uh, I guess I'm the Tom Hanks in this equation. But I had imagine waiting six months for that to fall apart, and then not waiting for it to fall apart, and just saying like, hey, you know, if you were uh, interested in not dating him, I would be interested in dating you. <laughs> <laughs> that was more smooth than right now than it was at the time, but it worked. <laughs> And I'm glad I did it. There you go. Yeah, I love her. So it worked out fantastically. She's every bit worth the wait. Uh, I felt magic. It was just the other end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there were extenuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Tom Hanks in the beginning of this movie is uh, Carrie Lowell, which do we know where we know her from? Or I know for sure. Uh, I know her from something. But Chad, uh, did she? Did you recognize her? I did not. She is a Bond girl. Really? She, she's from License to Kill. Okay. Yeah, she's the uh, relatively tough one who's got who's ample with a shotgun and uh, can kick some butt. American agent in that one. So, in Everything Is Copy, a 2015 documentary, Nora Ephron's life and career, Tom Hanks reveals that there was another child actor cast for the character son of Jonah before Ross Mellinger, but Ephron thought the first kid was not working out, so she cut him. Yeah, he was and- fired. <laughs> Well that's, what, well, that's what being cut means. <laughs> I just like that the kid got fired. Well, uh, 
you just put your heart on this kid. Yeah. Maybe you like the first kid. How much worse was the first kid? He got the Marty McFly treatment because the original Marty McFly was, I forget the actor's name, but there was another actor who they, they went substantially into yeah. Back to the Future on. And yeah. Then, yeah. And then they they canned it and threw everything in the garbage and went and got Michael J. Fox and, and you know, he had a hard work schedule. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it, and it was electric and then it worked and because uh, it wasn't working before. Because I was sitting there going like, Oh, how bad would that hurt to like have that role yeah. and then have it taken away? I mean, Sleepless in Seattle, that would hurt too as a kid because you're like, that's a big movie. But I mean, on the other hand, ah, Back to the Future. And then you got to watch the sequels come out. It's like, oh, there's a second one. <laughs> ah, there's a third one. This is a cultural icon. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't think of his name for a reason. Yeah. So. Sleepless in Seattle would have an interesting sequel. You were talking sequel. Oh yeah, this movie could use a sequel. <laughs> Where Meg Ryan hears a sultry podcast person and suddenly gets butterflies and has to rush out to find the podcast host. I don't think it's going to happen again because it was magic this time. Because that's why Tom Hanks just was in the airport and was like struck. It's like, hey, yeah. you've got presents. Alright. Not to be too hard on Meg Ryan, but if she gets off an airplane, I can't imagine that's she's the type of Stop mid-speech and stare. In fairness, is Tom Hanks that? Because that's another reason. I'm not sure this is a chick flick. I'll go into that now. I've never heard anybody be like, I mean, Tom Hanks, everybody likes him. But like, I've never heard anybody like, oh, Tom Hanks, he's dreamy. I brought this up to Sarah. It was a revelation for me. I was like, you know what? No one in this movie is overly attractive. Like, it's completely different than, you know, we did uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days when everyone including the friends and the co-workers are all really attractive people no one in this movie you've got rob reiner uh the girl that played victoria wasn't overly attractive meg ryan Brad, rosie o'donnell's not doing it for you she does not sir <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but i like that yeah i yeah. like that it it feels more authentic yeah because like i'm i'm not looking to find a dream boat I'm looking, and this sounds terrible. I I am sitting right here. She wants. I love you. She wanted our wedding theme to be Beauty and the Beast, which uh, there was only one option. I could go there. I wasn't going to be Beauty. So okay. Taking the year. I love it. So I. Yeah. Please get the shovel. Keep digging. No, I. I am not attracted to out the. <laughs> She's gonna say attractive you, people. No, no, to to the the like really done up male and the one that's got the ego. I like the guy that's in the corner on the wall, and you wonder who he's who he is and what he's got to give and. I've wondered that about you. And that is yeah. <laughs> who I have, and oh, yeah. that's. Good thing. She married the kicked puppy. No. <laughs> no, no, it's the interesting guy that just doesn't doesn't have to show show his ego and show his entitlement. Yeah, it it's the one that's just he is who he is, and that's okay, and that's a good thing. And, and, and Hanks does seem comfortable in his yeah, own skin. Yeah, and so that's an authentic thing about this to me, and it and I don't mean it in a way that I'm trying to shovel myself out that. You do have better hair than Tom Hanks in this there movie as well. There are other actors that I like that people wouldn't 
really per- say they're on their top actors. Matt that have Damon. Some- well, he's just good looking. But... <laughs> Undo the things that I yeah. said All, for that person. Also <laughs> Thor, so really I'm just but, lying. Like I, I like the characters in movies that are are not the primary characters a lot of times. And I feel like the Tom Hanks character is a little bit more in that in that vein of personality. Yeah, yeah she likes Justin Long. Yeah. No, that's and that's I think that to my point though I'm not sure this is or should be titled a chick flick because I mean there's a component of I mean and I totally get it why women certain there's certain roles like when like they put like a very blatantly attractive woman in a movie in a guy type movie and then she's not really doing anything and I'm pretty sure that that irritates female audiences is that a fair assumption yeah. yeah and that's I think that's the same thing that like in a chick flick sometimes the guys often get turned off when they're just sitting there going like you know it's like take off the shirt Take out the shirt. Yes, yes. And like you're waiting for that. And uh, then like the slow motion. And, um, you know. I'm totally fine with Matthew McConaughey taking off his shirt. It's just one of those things. It's like, you you work to get in that shape. It's fine. When Chris <laughs> Hemsworth takes off his shirt as Thor, it's like, yeah, I get it. The most revealing Tom Hanks was, was uh, a hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> Which might be the same hooded sweatshirt from when he was in big. Yeah, probably. Maybe Brings he's 13 years old. No. Although Make... we we kind of talked about the attractiveness element or unattractiveness element, and Chad was like, you know, that never happens, but it's been happening more and more recently, at least in some some of the romantic comedies, um, emphas- de-emphasizing beauty, I guess is the better <laughs> way to put it. Um, we thought of a couple. Trainwreck was one of them. Yeah. Um, what was another? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're both charming people in their own right, but you're right. They're neither of them. Right. You're, you're not going to open up a, a magazine and see them. There were a couple one. others we thought of. I can't remember what they were, though. I feel like Always Be My Maybe is possibly yeah. debatable. I Adam mean, Sandler always does this. For, yeah, he, that was another but one he always surrounds himself with yeah, very attractive ladies. Well, we were talking about that. The problem is, like, every Seth Rogen movie ever. Like, Seth Rogen is the unattractive guy who's with a very over, like, out-of-his-league girl. Charlize I Theron. Not, I was going to say, I do not care for Catherine Heigl, but that's another show. I, that's another I don't either, but, but uh, yeah. Charlize Theron, uh, Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. No, that's a valid point. But this movie felt, again, authentic in that way, too. And, uh, uh, you know, and we're not going to be mean to any of them because neither of them are like, neither of them look like a potato and a foot. Right. So. Um, and a young Jason Schwartzman auditioned for the role of Jonah Baldwin. I saw so, that. So would you prefer to have... Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world's very own uh, Jason Schwartzman in the role here instead as the kid? No. I don't want a kid at all, but... Uh... <laughs> you have to have a kid in this movie. Why? <laughs> it kind of moves the plot a little. <laughs> what do you think the phone call happens? <laughs> bring, bring. Hello, I'm a doctor. I'd like to talk. Okay. I'll tell you all my problems. Thanks. No, I want I want my idea. The Dear Abby, where he writes in and saying, I'm having a hard time sleeping. I lost my wife and it's been you difficult for me. And I'm rewriting this entire movie. Yep. So. <laughs> no, I don't want the movie I thought. I was kidding. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I've overjudged it on the title. I could do that with all kinds of movies. I mean, Jason Schwartzman, uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe in a different timeline, a different life. But Now, one movie I'd like to see, and I've never seen, is uh, When Harry Met Sally. And this is a movie that Nora Ephron wrote as well. 
I've not seen it, but Sarah, you have, right? Yes. Is Do you see similarities in, like, the sensibility of the humor, the writing, and the character construction? Um, it, it has a lot more of the friends first. Um, so, but it's a little bit different in that there's a lot of togetherness on screen. Um, more but, than two minutes? Yes, yeah. yes. But... In a way, it it is kind of because it's not that same arc that you were speaking to per se. It's, uh, um, they they meet each other and they're they click right away, but they don't they're not romantically clicked, and um, so in that way, it's similar because it's not romance. More normal looking people in movies. Have you, you said you haven't seen that one either, did you? I've seen parts of it, yeah, yeah. but I haven't, a I haven't part. seen it, well, especially <laughs> the most famous scene, but I've, I've seen others past the dining scene. Yeah. But just never contiguous. It's one of those, like, you turn it on and TBS has it on every I have seen the Sunday. dining scene several times, but that's all I've seen, and I'm yeah. intrigued to go see It's worth more. a watch. Yeah. It's worth a watch. Well, after this, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic to see it at some point, because I think that this was written at a... Like I said, at a, at a higher level, and I, honestly, Nora Ephron was asked if if she felt like it was a chick flick, and she says, "I don't think so. I think if you write enough comedy into it, the males will find their way into the story, and then without even realizing it, they're they're find themselves finding their way to the emotion of the story as well. And it's just a movie at that point that everybody can enjoy. And I uh, I don't like I said I I put that's what spurred my mind on that. I was like, ah, this I don't think this was conceived as, as that, and I think it kind of elevates itself. Out of that, it's just a good love story. I would say there's probably a little more comedy. Yes. <laughs> in um, Harry Met Sally, uh-huh. but um, yeah, it's still it it doesn't it's not traditional romantic comedy. Yeah. Did you catch Nora Ephron in this movie? Is she in it. She is one of the phone calls. She is the voice of uh, depressed in Denver. Desperate in Denver. Or desperate, yeah. 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 Okay, did not know that. Good, yeah, that she, good, good ear, I should say. She likes to insert herself in her movies, and it's it's always a fun cameo. I like it when directors do that. Hitchcock used to do that. Like he used to just be walking around the background, like reading a newspaper. Yeah, I love that. Wes Craven does it in all of his movies. Stan Lee, although yeah, well, yeah, yeah, those are well, those are in your face, but I, yeah. I love those too. Quentin Tarantino's usually in his. Uh huh. Yep. And. Uh, it was interesting, Nora Ephron was also asked how, about, in that same interview, how she writes the male and female perspectives in a way that seems more genuine. Uh, so I'm not the first person to say this about uh, her. Uh, she said when working on Harry, When Harry Met Sally, Rob Reiner, who's in this movie, uh, was the director on that. And the two of them had a strong chemistry worth working together. Uh, she was coming from a female perspective and he would often challenge and or fill in from the male perspective. And she had a good sense of sense for those things, but in a way that she said it kind of confirmed and um, informed those things. And that's even just working with Rob throughout the years and coming back and writing this, that that was an experience that she had had as a writer. And so that's, that's just part of her gift. Because I will admit, I didn't feel like anybody was a flat character in this uh, I definitely feel like they wasted David Hyde Pierce. I know it was his first role. Yeah, this is pre Frasier, isn't it? Yeah. R- right before it, but he was a psychologist talking about Seattle. It's like, well. You never know. He might not have gotten the job without this. Yeah. So. It was just an odd casting. Like, I figured he'd be the 
like the in-law, but he was actually supposed to be related to Meg Ryan. Like, this doesn't work. They're both blonde. Sure. And he wasn't funny. Yeah, it was sad. He, he kind of was. He was a little deadpan. Yeah. He was like so like he was so serious it was funny kind of thing. Yeah. Like overly practical. Yeah, he just didn't get to bust out the comedic chops like uh, Niles and Frazier. Yeah, and I mean, well, it's early, it's early in his career, so yeah, yeah, yeah it was his first role, I think. Uh, there's a lot of celebration in this. Uh, again, they they are laying it on very heavily with the references to a um, an affair to remember. But it was interesting. Nora Ephron was saying this isn't just a movie about love; it's about love in the movies and how the idea of falling in love quickly has informs people's idea sometimes perhaps wrongfully so at times but of what falling in love would feel like and at one point they had a very self-aware moment where rosie o'donnell's like you don't want to be in love you want to be in love in the movies and that was another thing that helped me kind of like it's like oh breaking the fourth wall like this is this is different so this is what people loved about frozen because that's kind of a trope about disney movies but frozen uh elsa winds up telling anna who has this kind of Disney moment of I just met someone and I'm so in love and we're getting married. She's like, you can't marry someone you just met, and that was kind of revolutionary for Disney movies. Well, tons of movies do do that, and this movie kind of playfully, wink wink nudge nudge goes off that notion because there are people around mm-hmm. him saying, or like Tom Hanks himself is like, I'm not going to go over to Baltimore. <laughs> I did like the pointing on the map, the little geography lesson. Yes. <laughs> This was a good movie for maps. Yes. <laughs> Do you know where Oklahoma is? Somewhere, Somewhere in the middle. middle. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> he was disappointed in the school system for saying that, but I feel like had you asked anyone that wasn't around the state of Oklahoma where Oklahoma was, and they would have said the exact same thing. Looks like a pointing finger. Frying pan. Yeah. We appreciate you in the frying pan state. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, Sarah, as as di- as a director though, Nora Ephron also wrote and kind of produced this. But as a director, uh, she comes in. It was actually going to be Gary Marshall to do this, uh, brother Penny Marshall, yep. who, by the way, she directed Tom Hanks and Big. So this movie's all connecting into Big, uh, and 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 a league of their own too. So, uh, but um, so not Penny Marshall, not Gary Marshall. Uh, it was then going to go over to Nick Castle, and then it went to. Uh, producer Gary Foster sought Nora Ephron to rewrite the screenplay and uh, they disagreed and Ephron <laughs> ended up wanting to do the film herself so she had uh, a screenplay role moving into the director did you like her as a director Sarah? Um, yeah I think so the pace was a little could have picked up a little bit I felt like but to your point you know you were constantly wanting them to just meet and and so I think that felt like the pace was slower so um but i think that was an element of it too is that they're not supposed to really when it picks up it picks up fast yeah because i thought that we were gonna like this one's gonna be a while because we're laying <laughs> the ground... a little slow we're moving we're laying the groundwork still because <laughs> i was sitting there going like this is gonna be a two hour plus movie isn't it <laughs> it's not <laughs> no um but yeah, I like I appreciated that more after the fact that the fact why the pacing was the way it was and um, you know some of the 
stuff. I kind of liked just the the map. We were talking about the maps. I liked just the animation of the maps that it would have between scenes and stuff. And I, I felt like that was kind of a cute little element to tie things together and pulled it all together. Um, and, and that was one of my favorite little ditty things. And um, just, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I thought the map was kind of overused. Like I, I liked it. I would have liked different... We're coming off of Indiana Jones a couple weeks back. Yes. Uh, but, <laughs> another podcast episode, but Emperor's New Groove. I liked those little transitions and those animated scenes. Yeah, but, uh, we had a good guest on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We should get her on again sometime. Yes. But... Um, she keeps saying no. I, I would have liked different <laughs> versions of the map, like maybe pull out a globe, just make it a running gag, because he did bring down the, the big map at one time. We had the animated... I just kind of wanted a theme instead of... Continue. It was a theme. It was the same map. Yeah. Like, someone in 1993... You had different maps? Yes. He had a different map. He had two. There I think were, that's a strange director decision on your part. There were, there were two different maps, and then we just kept going I back to like this, this animation. Castle wanted... And he couldn't see eye to eye with Nora. The and, Nick- this one, and Nora's like, I think the map should be the same every time, Nick. And he's like, no, I quit. It's got to be different maps every time. The Nick Castle is a genius. <laughs> Listen to this man. I don't know what he's done, and I'm afraid of what I've just said. But considering this lady made Michael and bewitched in Julie and Julia, Nick Castle may have had a point. I guess kind of moving... One of the other things I kind of liked was the the house in Seattle. I thought it was interesting how it was like right on the water. That's so and, Seattle. Yeah, and really emphasizing that. And it was kind of a theme without being a spoken theme. And I kind of, I liked that. And I thought the house was neat and the scenery was neat. And... With absolutely no knowledge of Seattle geography. No, no. No, no. I don't. The, 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 the floating house is, is a big thing in Seattle. Yeah, but you cannot row a boat from their house to the beach. Erroneous. Nor could you follow them in a car. That was a sweet That's a, scene. Yeah, that was fine. I, I'm okay with that. No, I mean, the, the literal geography was impossible. You cannot do that. I'm okay with that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm still okay with that. I, I am not. You can't row your boat. I, you know, I was going to say this for a little bit later, but I'm going to blow your mind. Those Baltimore house where they walk out of, like on the on the bay, it's in Seattle too. Is it? I thought you were going to say Toronto, because no. we just make everything in Toronto. <laughs> that would have made me happy. So they just said it was they just said it was Baltimore and they were in Seattle. You're going to tell me the Empire State Building was a model and that was in Toronto, too. Well, OK, I've got some bad news. But hold on to that. <laughs> a little bit later. <laughs> uh, one thing that I love. <laughs> One thing I liked that Nora uh, Ephron put in there was the little sugar cubes at the at the diner as he was nervous, and which change constantly throughout the scene. I I, I like it because it, it's to me it's a little bit nod back to Big. I could see Tom Hanks in Big doing that on <laughs> on a on a date being nervous, and so you know, it, like it just shows his nerves. And he was checking yeah. his hair nine times and really nervous. And I think that that was a nice little touch to have him continue doing that. And Ooh. to that point. Tom Hanks made a lot of suggestions along the way, and Nora Ephron's not a super controlling director. I love this about directors when they listen to the people, and Hanks would even tell her, it's like, I don't think my character would do that. And uh, she would take that and say, like, okay. And so 
it's cool that, uh, you know, part of the reason that this works so well is not just her writing, but Hank's, you know, critically looked at his character and made it better, too. So, <laughs> part writer, part actor at the same time. What are your... Okay, so as far as... I know you're a little more critical on this movie. Are there any shortcomings in the directions? I... <laughs> I I'm going to keep harping on, well, multiple things, but... Uh... I, I didn't like the distance. I didn't like that they started apart. A I thought that was odd. It takes too long for them to get together. And her directions of uh, Meg Ryan hiding behind a shed, watching them, or uh, hiring a private eye. Like, you reverse the genders and you've got a horror movie on your hands. Like, can you hear the, the horror music or the Halloween music kicking in as Meg Ryan's standing on the road just staring because at Tom Hanks? Because we know Meg Ryan's character, it's not creepy? Uh, it was still creepy behind the shed when she's peeking out. I vote for not creepy, Sarah. I didn't think it was creepy until I had him watching it with me. And yeah, I, I, I'm still good with it, but... No. No, ladies. Uh, I hear him in my ear. Do not stalk your man across the country and hide behind sheds staring at him playing with well, his son. Well, you put it that way. Yeah. But that's... we got to know her before then, so as the audience, we're okay with it. I, I still think it was a waste of a plane ticket, but... Well, she, <laughs> uh, to add to her character she being... She thought the sister was the hoe. Yeah. Because <laughs> the haircut's the same from the back, because well, you paid I a private know. investigator to take pictures of him. and oh, yes. no. To continue on the theme of Meg Ryan is actually a horrible person, she got her company to pay for it, so it wasn't even her money. That She's she... writing an article. Yeah, she didn't, though, unless her article is, hello. We need a sequel. We need we... Sleepless in Seattle, too. <sighs> the article could come out. I... <laughs> and that's where you get your conflict. He conflict. Thinks... There you go. <laughs> he realizes it was all about an article. <laughs> we could get the same kid back, too. <laughs> this is what I was talking to Sarah about, like... Is she just going to omit this part of her history for the rest of her life? Because one day they're going to be sitting down and she's going to be like, it's a funny story. I hired a private investigator to check you out and I stalked you. I flew. I lied to my company. Hey, one of the Sam Baldwin's had jail time on his record. Yeah, but it wasn't the architect. True. <laughs> she's just like, no, that couldn't, can't be him. It's like, Why not? There, there's an equal chance that he's murdered some people. And he's a sweet guy with his son playing football on the beach. And uh, so we've talked about atmosphere a little bit. I do want to talk about that. Sarah, did you like the cross-country, two-worlds kind of theme and kind of the physical reinforcement they had of, like, you're in this city, you're in this city? Um, yeah, I did. I. They were two different... They Both the people came from two different worlds, so emphasizing that, and they had different backgrounds so i like the physical separation um i did too and, and i felt like it kind of drove that story along how were they going to meet and it's always a a, a one because you know you're watching a romance somehow they're going to meet how is that going to happen if they're ha a country away that doesn't make any sense maybe there's a trilogy this is just the first one <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah. takes three movies to walk a ring to a mountain. I mean, it might take a little bit of time to meet. <laughs> Don't get me started on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I I could have used some Gollum or Smeagol here. All right. 
But in addition to on-screen location or on-set locations, uh, the house scenes were filmed in Seattle, as as we mentioned. The Baltimore ones were as well, and a lot of the sets for the inside of the New York and Baltimore sets were actually just done in airport in an airport hangar in Seattle. So most of this movie's done in Seattle. Even the final meeting between Sam and Annie that was filmed on a Seattle uh, set that had been made up to look like the observation deck of the Empire State Building, and the sounds heart... cheaper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The heart that's on the uh, Empire State Building. That was CGI. They didn't. They didn't even go in and light the room of the Empire State Building. Obviously, and you can definitely tell it's CGI at the end when the building's rotating. But uh, there's, um, you know, and they're zooming out to the stars and uh, from the different. Hey, you got your different map there at the end, by the way. There we go. This movie has made it a nightmare for Valentine's Day for the Empire State Building. It's like a three-hour wait now because a bunch of single women all go up there hoping to meet their perfect man. So there's, this movie has started an awful tradition. But I, th- I thought, so they went to the Seattle market, which was like very Seattle. They, 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 there's a scene, they didn't rub it in your face with the Space Needle, but they drove by and they zoomed up and unexpectedly so. Like, it's like, oh, there's the Space Needle. And uh, there's just certain scenes as they're driving around and that are very lush and green. So I, I give them credit. Uh, if they boasted Seattle and they, they were Seattle even when they said they weren't. I still want to think of tossed salad and scrambled eggs when... Seattle comes up, not... Uh... Now, the, the airport was truly sad at that point in time because I went to the Seattle airport with uh, uh, Mary back in, like, 2010, and I was... It was a really nice airport, and then I was like... So I, I had this, like, oh, they've made changes later. <laughs> this airport is a dog. It's Mothman prophecies in the Charleston Marriott. Yeah. That is not what our Marriott looks like, don't it? It's classy. <laughs> Now, the thing that I thought aesthetically that was the most aged, the, probably the most aged thing about this movie, well, the cars were pretty aged. But yeah. Yeah, the cars were stunningly old, like 70s. I, yeah, I, I didn't remember the cars being that, that bad at that point. <laughs> but uh, I guess they could be. But uh, what, what do you think about, uh, I think Tom Hanks has ripped off Jerry Seinfeld's look. When he's going to the baseball game, he's got his shirt tucked in in such a way, and the, the jean cut is the same the hair. Like there, he's, got, he's got soup, Seinfeld's hair. There's a soup Nazi reference in this movie. Did Where? you catch that? I did not. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the co-workers, um, when they're leaving a building in New York, he makes a reference to the meanest guy in the world, but he makes the best soup you've ever had. And this was pre-Seinfeld, but early soup Nazi. So it's not a reference then? It winds up being. I don't know if Jerry Seinfeld built on this, but I thought that was really fun of like... There's a New York soup Nazi in this movie. Hmm. Well, there's a Fraser reference, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> pretty Fraser. <laughs> um, Typecasting. Yeah. And uh, did you feel like the... I, I thought... Uh, first, I didn't realize Meg Ryan ever had long hair. Really? Yeah, that threw me off. Oh, this is, this is kind of how I picture her. <laughs> I don't know what movie I'm thinking of Meg Ryan being in, per se, but this is not the Meg Ryan I thought I, I was getting. I don't know. No. 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 Sorry. I I even said when when it first came out, I was like, I don't remember her looking that young. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It's a it's like going back and watching a movie and Bruce Willis having hair all of a sudden. It's confusing. Yeah. It's like they're two different people. It's like Sean Connery's James Bond, but he's also like Doctor Jones, but they're not the same person in my mind, and I can't <laughs> reconcile that difference. Doesn't that make a good actor then? Yes, but also it, it confuses me. 
So, uh, and uh, this movie is chocked full of old tunes. And I think that goes a long way to what you were describing. The old movie references from the golden age of Hollywood, as they put it sometimes, and uh, the old soundtrack. You got Nat King Cole, Louis Armstrong, Carly Simon, Joe Cocker. I mean, uh, Ray Charles. I love that Ray Charles song. And then Celine Dion. Which that song charted and did well. I'm stunned. My heart will go on. Didn't play on my radio for like two straight years. Little guilty pleasure. I actually kind of like that song. Oh, yeah. admitted it to a national audience. I did. I did. That's uh, I would hold on to that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, it's uh, it's out there. Oh. But um, no. And Sarah's singing it. You can't really she's, hear. She's singing it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the night, and my night is ruined. find it on my iTunes. Oh. <laughs> did you like the old Sammy soundtrack, Sarah? I, I did. I, I'll be honest. I didn't really. It didn't really stand out to me, but I. Does it I, give you a feel? Just for the era, I think, just because that was the type of music that was in at that time. Those types of songs are a little bit thought of as cheesy at this point in, well they're definitely cheesy but it, it didn't feel that way in in that time period so it just it really just set the setting more so than anything for me making whoopee actually on the soundtrack by dr john featuring ricky lee jones so it is yeah so it is <laughs> now i was disappointed where if you were to go buy this you would not get the awesome version of uh, somewhere over the rainbow by ray charles yeah. and my mm. first thought was why have i not heard this i like ray charles and i, I loved it so uh, if nothing else i will be downloading that song coming out of this and remembering uh that i'll now think of this movie because i discovered it through this right mm. as a sailboat decked out and all uh, Christmas, like extremely decked out in Christmas, is coming is going by. So, uh, I was at first upset with you guys for picking a Christmas movie in uh, in February, and then and then later New Year's happened, and then it goes into Valentine's Day, so I felt better in the end. But I, I, my first thought was, what have you guys done? Yeah. This is a Christmas movie. You can't do this now. Russell's like, I'm not going to choose Love Actually. It's a Christmas movie. Immediately chooses a movie that starts at Christmas. I was upset with myself for a while. <laughs> and then Christmas I, does not last very long. It does not. You're right. And it, 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 it finishes on Valentine's Day. So yes, it does. Yeah, all 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 was rectified by the end. Um, it's my favorite time of the show. Sarah, do you want to yes. give out some awards with us? Sure. Do you want to be the honor and start us off with your MVP of Sleepless in Seattle? Sure. How do you not give it to Tom Hanks? I, I mean, he's he's obviously going through a struggle, and but still open, I think, without being open at the same time, and that that's just something difficult, I think, to do and to still have the relationship with his son. And I think he had a good relationship with his son, as good as he could be without knowing what he was doing type of thing oh yeah he's good at the, the dad role yeah and um so yeah he was definitely my mvp that reminds me of uh when he hosted saturday night live i think this most recent time he portrayed himself as uh, america's dad and so he gave the country a long <laughs> <Nice>. talk <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> like it's like you're coming of age 
you're going through some weird things. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he put like a sweater on, you know, like, kind of like be comforting. I was like, oh, that's a, Tom Hanks is America's dad. That's very appropriate. So and this movie contributed towards that uh, feeling. So uh, Chad, who's your MVP? It's Tom Hanks. If you don't get that casting right, this movie just doesn't work. Uh, he's probably the reason most people tuned in and he's the reason people didn't tune out. I, I'm it's a clean sweep. I mean, Tom Hanks is great. And, and to fairness to Nora Ephron, there is good writing here, but I don't think even with the good writing, it, it, it goes without the driver. And, it, and that's Tom Hanks. And like I said, he contributed so much along the way, uh, influencing stuff as he does with his role. So um, Nora Ephron said that Tom Hanks at, up through this point in time had played a lot of childlike or boylike characters. Uh, he has this enthusiasm to him, whether it be something like Dragnet or Big, where he literally is playing a kid, or The Burbs. There's an energetic um, youthfulness to him. I love that period of him, by the way. But she's right. In the early 90s, he kind of sheds his skin. Philadelphia comes out at the same time, and this is a change in pace. And soon thereafter, you have Forrest Gump. And Tom matures as an actor a lot, and he shows the, uh, you know, the adult side of him as well and i love them both again i can reconcile this too because it happened more gradually <laughs> turner and hooch can actually be the guy from catch me if you can it's not it's not a dr jones uh, james bond <laughs> problem uh sarah best supporting actor i'll get a boo but i like the kid that played jonah yes, <laughs> yes. i boo this kid i just thought <laughs> He just had this this um, kind of optimistic outlook at um, love and his dad and who his dad could be. And he, he knew who his dad used to be, I think. And he wanted that for his dad. And, and the kid did that and added some humor, too. And I like that. Yeah. I, I don't think this movie works without him. But, Chad, I'm going to guess you're not going to pick <laughs> Ross Malinger. I am not. I am going to pick Rob Reiner, who is Jay. Oh, I, okay. That's actually pretty good. I like, I like Rob Reiner a lot. In this. I, I found him to be my second favorite character. I liked the confusing and very wrong advice. And I wanted him to show up in more scenes, just continuing to give Tom bad advice. You know what? That's true. He said that women just go around, at, as of 93, that women just go around asking you. I was like, yeah. I, that went away. Yeah. <laughs> what, whatever this magical period of time, it was over three years later for me. Uh, uh, ladies, don't be afraid to ask your uh, love interest out, uh, if that's the case. Yes. So, yeah, yes. <laughs> Split checks, any of those throw parades. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> I'm throwing no parades. This is going to be a Rob Reiner sandwich because I'm going to go back to Ross Malinger on this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mirror Sarah on this one. This movie, a big, big part of the laughs and the heart of this comes from Tom Hanks inter, inter, engaging with him. And if you didn't have a good young actor, I, I think that's the second place where this really could have gone off the rails. And I think he is a good kid actor. You, you just like him. And uh, <laughs> sure, everybody else in America from between Baltimore and Seattle liked him. Even the people in Oklahoma, which is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Except for Chad Robinson in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Drew Barrymore can't play every child role. Chad. She should have. <laughs> Other children actors are needed. I don't know what age she was here, but fine, cast her. Too old is she? 
fine. <laughs> um, so, uh, Sarah, who is your hidden gem? Um, so I didn't really, I felt like there was a small cast, and so I didn't really feel like there was much of a hidden gem, per se, because besides those main characters, there wasn't much that I felt was really fleshed out or anything. So really, what I thought of was more the physical um, separation, and um, that being used as a plot device, and um, I like the maps, I talked about that, I, I liked using that. Um, so it's not really a person, it's more um, a technique, but that was kind of what I appreciated the most. Yeah, and Chad, who's your hidden gem? Rita Wilson. That was, it's Tom Hanks' real-life wife, and she played his sister. Okay, yeah, and what, it's just kind of fun to have yeah, the it's husband. Like, yeah, it's like, hey, Tom Hanks' wife. Being a sister. Yeah. Okay. And uh, more on her later. Um. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> poor Rita Wilson. Um, my hidden gem. I, I actually, I, I've the actor name for whatever reason has slipped me, but I like the guy at the family dinner who's uh, I'm allergic to bees. Oh. <laughs> oh yes, he was he was he pretty good. He had he had this <laughs> grave seriousness about his face, and then he's never used again. <laughs> no, but he, I remembered him. <laughs> <laughs> he stole the scene at dinner time. I was like, more bee talk, please. Fair enough. <laughs> Sarah, who is, sorry, who would you recast and who would you put in their place? Um, so I said that I would recast uh, the character Becky, Rosie O'Donnell. Really? Uh, yeah. What did she not do for you? I just, I felt like she needed to be like, a peppy girly girl that really would get into like the romance of it. And I know that her character did. No, it was just like, she, she liked the movie, but I, I didn't really believe her being like, Oh, this is so sweet. Like I, I wanted her to be like, so more encouraging. You didn't want to be like, Oh, okay. I get it now. More of a bubbly character. I know. And that's not who she is. Okay. And so I I wanted it to be more of a bubbly. So you want Reese Witherspoon in yes. Legally Blonde? Yes. Oh. Somebody kind of ditzy, but very optimistic about love. And, and I really didn't get that out of her until she sent the letter across the country. Which was nice. Yeah, but I didn't really get that she was really falling for this love story thing. I was wondering why the letter was all wrinkled up when the viewers <laughs> reading it later on and found it out. So, yeah. Uh, Chad, who's your recast? Yeah, stunningly in a movie with Rosie O'Donnell. I'm not recasting her. And Ross I... Mellinger, here we go. No, <laughs> oh. I am recasting Meg Ryan. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. I don't like Meg Ryan. <laughs> okay, we talked how likable Tom Hanks is, but I feel like a lot of those qualities go to her. Why? No. Why not? She is well. She's not a likable person in this movie whatsoever. Um, oh, I would contest that. But go on. Yeah, she uh, wants magic. No, she's she's Even kind Walter of can't blame her. He's so, like, yeah, this isn't magic. I feel like he was more <laughs> sign of relief because he dodged a bullet there. He's like, oh wow, you she, don't want to marry somebody who doesn't want to marry you. She's kind of yeah. selfish and psychotic, and yeah, but. Uh, uh, you have to go with someone that comes off a little sweeter, more affable. Uh, I think I'm going with Jennifer Aniston. I don't Russell doesn't like Jennifer Aniston, so he's a little crushed here. I I, I, haven't, I, don't, I like Meg Ryan in this one. I, <laughs> I, I won't be recasting her. Okay, but this is your recast. I mean, yes. 
Have I said this before? I don't think you get this movie. <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> so, my recast, I'm going to double dip here a little bit, because the first one is just, I think, Bill Pullman is too cool to be Walter. He's Lone Star. He's the president of the United States from yeah. Independence yes, Day. Yes, he is. He's too cool to be Walter. I like him. He does his, he does his job fine, but I think I want Eugene Levy. Uh, in this and how old was he he was around yes he was around he was uh, age appropriate really yeah yeah isn't he like 70 right now um bill pullman's not like young no that's fine it's your it's your recast yeah she she can marry i feel like i looked it out and they're they're literally the same age-ish i think i'll have to check that and i might have to cut that later but um <laughs> i think pullman and eugene levy are close in age okay and um and by the way when i looked up young pictures of eugene levy i just got pictures of his son looks exactly yes he does like his dad it's crazy it's like it's like you got no genes from your mom <laughs> um, you're you're a clone like boba fett um, oh i want to forget that happened too okay <laughs> um <laughs> So anyway, uh, the actual one that I had a bigger issue with in terms of her performance, uh, like I said, Bull Pullman didn't do anything wrong. He's just too cool. Uh, Rita Wilson as Susie didn't do it for me and where she had to deliver like the line when she was crying and should be funny how, how she's getting kind of worked up and stuff like that. I, I, I wasn't enjoying it as much until the guy started crying about the dirty dozen, which was funny. Yeah. And so I'm going to go with uh, Rita Wilson will be replaced for Dana Delaney. Okay. Yeah. All right. So she's in... A house sitter and uh, home wrecker, or sorry, uh, sorry, um, uh, tombstone, which we we covered yeah. as well. And uh, so I think she's, uh, I think I'm gonna pick her here. I'm a sucker for cameos, like little Easter eggs. So that was fun. Yeah, best shot of the movie, Sarah. Um, so I liked the firework, the New Year's Eve fireworks, where Tom Hanks was just sitting outside watching the fireworks, kind of pondering things is this where he's on the chair just staring into the water he he might have been on a chair i don't know he was on like his deck area just kind of the fireworks were there and which confusingly were going off they were going off at the same time as baltimore and i was frustrated by that could have been a replay have i said that like you just gotta let some stuff go like the seattle geography stuff man (laughs) (laughs) and in fairness all the baltimore stuff was filmed in seattle so Technically, that's time zone correct when you really get into it. But he's watching it on TV. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it made no sense. Well, when you watch the ball drop, they do say, this is what happened in China. This is what happened in Egypt. And they show fireworks around the world. That's pretty common, actually. Yeah, but it was established it was midnight there. He woke woke Jonah up. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was sad that uh, back then, uh, some of those nighttime shots in the dock, if you were shooting that today, you'd supplementary, or they would, you would use supplementary lighting to yeah, show the Yeah, I did notice the it. lighting was a little dark, but I, 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 I liked that. the moment yeah. of it. Yeah. Chad, best shot. Uh, there's a wide-angle shot at the restaurant with Annie Walter in the fake Empire State Building with the heart it on fake, it. sorry. So, CGI'd, but... Uh, it's hard to close off the whole top of the Empire State Building logistically for a film, in fairness. But yeah. 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 And hard to get that kind of restaurant view. Yes. Also true. Uh, my best shot is going to be the transition of the elevator doors. Uh, the elevator doors close and it has a really neat embossed uh, kind of print on the doors. And then they zoom out and that's the uh, CGI version of the Empire State Building. 
Those were the nicest New York elevator operators. They're just like, hey, this lady's in love. It's fine if you make us work extra hours. That is never going to happen. Well, the cab drivers were appropriate, though. Yeah. She didn't pay the cab. To add to how horrible she is, she didn't pay the cabbie either. She is stealing from work. She's not paying people. She's cheating. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Now, Sarah, yes. what's your best scene of the movie? Um, I I like the scene on the beach with Sam and Jonah where they're just playing and just showing how he was a good dad. And we wouldn't have that if she wasn't doing her due diligence to make sure he was legit. We could have seen that entirely without her doing the creepy cat in the hat behind the house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, Chad, your best scene. Uh, Sam's fight with Jonah when where he's mad and he begins ranting about how he was going to get laid. And he starts talking about his college years and he gets dis- disappointed. He's like, because Jonah asks something like how many times it's like seven. And then he gets really excited. He's like, no, eight he gets really excited. At eight. The, the, there's a weird line in there though, because he's like, it's really not that much. Like eight different partners in four years is not that much. Like Again, 1993 was a wild time. <laughs> My best scenes in the movie is going to be the kind of the radio show call-in where the boy's on one phone and his dad's on the other, and they have these epically long phone cords that oh. <laughs> had so long, such long phone they cords. They used to. Yeah. We used to always have those. The little squiggly part was long, though, not the whole phone part. Like they were, oh. like they were walking all over the house with that. I was like, "What are we doing? We can go outside with this now." So. Yeah, that was the portable phone comes on hand shortly thereafter. But uh, no, that was a good, uh, I like the scene, and then simultaneously Andy's driving in that scene, and uh, the you know you see her face, and she does a good job of face acting here. So sorry, Chad. <laughs> there was Christmas music in that scene; it made it worse. Yeah, change one thing, Sarah. Okay, so I just talked about the father and son on the beach, and Chad was talking about how he didn't like Annie stalking. My change one thing would be that Annie just never went out to Seattle. Like That's a good start. I don't feel like, yeah, they saw each other, but I feel like you still could have had some tension building without her flying all the way out there. Hmm. Okay. Chad, change one thing, and only... <laughs> I, this was a little hard. I I really, really don't like the fact that Annie is engaged. Uh, I had a really difficult time connecting her, with her character because she's selfish. She's lying. She's using people. I really disliked her for that. She stalks Sam, hires a PI, leads Walter along the entire time. She's talking about openly with her friends cheating on him when they get to New York to pick out their their uh registry items so it just it would feel a lot less bad if she weren't in a deeply committed relationship is she leading him on or is she trying to make it work i think she's trying to fit in a place where she knows she kind of doesn't right she when they're talking about new york and she's talking about slipping away to go meet sam like that's leading him on at that point okay my change one thing is going to be i'd like to make jessica a little worse like, maybe she clearly was interested in Tom Hanks, but I, I felt like maybe she was just more... Like, she did she did have, like... She seemed shallow, but at the same time, I still got the... Shallow in terms of depth. Like, she doesn't seem like a very interesting person. But I, I felt like it would have been better if... Um, she did seem like she genuinely wanted to be 
there and to she yeah. wa- she wanted to fit the role. I felt like I would prefer her to um, be a little more flawed, other Vic- than having a bad laugh. Victoria, yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. Oh, sorry, Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I said Jessica. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that was weird. It's like the one fatal flaw is she laughs like a hyena. Yeah. It's like yeah. Yeah. So I I, I say uh, lean into that just a little bit more and you know have Tom Hanks be like nobody's perfect and I'm not you know trying to get used to it himself so maybe he tolerates a little bit more at first too so uh, could be more comedy divine there yeah uh, now Sarah what yes. is your sorry what is your best quote of the movie so I'm gonna go the cheesy route um, what Tom Hanks character said it was a million little million tiny little things when you added them all up they meant we were supposed to be together and i knew it i knew it the first time i touched her it was like coming home only to no home i'd ever known i was just taking her hand to help her out of a car and i knew it it was like magic you would get a lot of women across america to write you letters find out over you if you said that those (laughs) those are good words uh chad who is your best quote Rosie O'Donnell, she had a line in reference to an affair to remember where she said, men just don't get this movie. And I kind of felt like that was said for me and simultaneously about Sleepless in Seattle. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mine, and there's a couple good ones here, but I'm going to go with uh, when Sam uh, said, there's no way we're going on a plane to meet some woman who would be crazy, sick, lunatic. Haven't you seen Fatal Attraction? And then uh, Joan is like, you wouldn't let me. Well, I saw it. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah. It scared the crap out of every man in America. That was an excellent point. <laughs> that was so good. I, I just, I liked that. And I, I also did enjoy the conversation he had about uh, dating with his son. He's like, she flips her hair a lot. I don't know what's the deal. Does she need a haircut? <laughs> like, is it a nervous tick? I'm just dating her. I, these are things I'm willing to get to the bottom of. <laughs> that was a good line. My secondary one was Jonah. Aho, aho, my dad's been captured by aho. <laughs> Good stuff. I, Brian Fry just pops up in my head doing the use aho. Did that all the way through high school. Uh, all right. And so now it's time to give this movie a rating on a five star scale, half star intervals. Sarah, what would you rate Sleepless in Seattle? Um, I'll go with a solid four. Nice. I have a hard time giving out high ratings, so that's that's not bad for me. That's, that's a good. That's, that's a good, good rating. Yeah, it's an excellent rating. Now, Chad, what would you rate Sleepless in Seattle? I am going to give it an enthusiastic because we're not going to negative town. One and a half stars. Oh, <laughs> I feel so bad. That's ba- the lowest rating in the history of the show. Wow. Okay. Well, I am enthusiastic <laughs> and positive about it. Uh, I feel really bad for Walter, whose deep flaw is having allergies. Uh, I have allergies. I could be Walter. Uh, you are not Walter. I, I feel like I'm Walter. He's 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 my sole animal here. Uh, and I also feel, I made this point earlier, you reverse the genders. This is a horror movie. Uh, so I was really disappointed uh, by the the infidelity, the the whole magic and selfish and immature actions, in my opinion. So it made me sad. I, I wanted better for this. Okay, okay. I'm going to match Sarah and go with a four. Wow. Yeah. I just, I was, my expectations were completely exceeded. I like that when a movie does that. And I would, I would enjoy watching this one again. So uh, I will remember it. And 
I will remember certain parts of it for sure. And I'll probably refer to certain parts of it again. Like, like these are things I'm willing to get to the bottom of. <laughs> it seems like something I, I can see myself saying. And uh, I now, uh, you know, a Fatal Attraction will have another uh, reference for sure out of this one. Or tiramisu. <laughs> so, tiramisu is good. Yeah. I, I never had tiramisu until I started dating. So he made an excellent point. Rob yeah. Reiner did get one right. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with more. So. All right, Chad, you want to pick a movie for next time? I would love to. All right. We're going to be immortal. Okay. This next one. So this one's for, for the uh, ages. So option number one, Dorian Gray from 2009. A corrupt young man somehow keeps his youthful beauty eternal, but a special painting on gradually reveals his inner ugliness to all. Mm. Number two, Jet Li, the one, uh, or Jet Li is the one, is, is what it says. And, well, basically Jet Li... This is the IMDb summary. I don't know what to do with this. Okay. <laughs> Jet Li Li becomes a dimensional time traveler and has to go to all the other dimensions fighting the other Jet Li's until there is only one and he becomes more powerful than each one he beats. And on a similar note, the Highlander, or just Highlander actually, from 1986, an immortal Scottish swordsman must confront the last of his immortal opponents in a murderously brutal barbarian who lusts for fabled prize. There can be only one. And no, I'm not referencing Jet Li, although that's a cool movie too. Check that out. Highlander. Highlander it is. Sarah, thank you for coming on the show. No problem. And uh, Chad, thank you as always. Thank you. All the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, we invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you, so subscribe, rate, and review to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Chad? Princess Bride said it best. Wav, twu, wav, will follow you forever.